Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, May 20th. What a night of NCAA action. We just saw the semifinals officially set for the Division I women's event. However, that is not going to be the focus of today's podcast. As all of you college tennis fans know, Thursday is going to see the men's quarterfinals take place. It is planning to be four outstanding matches, another full day of tennis. Of course, we have yet to recap the round of 16, yet to preview these quarterfinal matches. That is the agenda of today's podcast and joining us on the show to do just that. A first-time guest, but a longtime friend of the program. You may know him as a former University of Illinois, now to Lane sophomore Alex Manchilla Banch welcome to the show how are you doing today thanks man thanks for having me I'm good I'm excited to to talk some tennis I have to say not only am I excited to talk to you obviously I mentioned friend of the program we had a special request I I still don't remember who the player was but someone's like yo why haven't you gotten Banchilla on the pod? I don't know if there's anyone in the nation who knows more about college tennis than he does. <laughs> and, you know, anytime there's a request for a guest, I try and fill that out. So, of course, uh, for our listeners who don't know, you, you can let them know now. Tennis, following the scene, all of these players near and dear to your heart, correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm tennis is a sport I'm passionate about. And, you know, although I'm, I'm in college, still in college, still got three years left uh, of playing. Um, it's, it's something that I've always been passionate about. I mean, most of these guys, uh, I grew up with in, in juniors too. So it's, it's been a long relationship with all of them. So, uh, what can I say? I'll try not to d- disappoint the listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, not to put some expectations on your shoulders, but no, certainly again, it's a pleasure to get to chat tennis with you. I'm excited likewise, to do what we do, in, what we do in person now here for everyone to listen to. And at some point we'll get into your background, talk about your career. We'll probably save that for the end. But again, the focus of today's shows, we are going to recap the NCAA men's round of 16 action. We are also going to preview Thursday's quarterfinal matches. Of course, the reason we are able to do this day in day out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you listeners from our crack rackets, Patreon family. And of course, from our friends at Midwest sports, go to Midwest sports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. I also have to give you one more shout-out, Angela, because – and I I don't think I can call you Alex just because I am also an Alex, and so it's just weird for me. I I can't say my name out loud. It's always been – I suppose one of my flaws, Uh, not that I don't have an ego. Anyways, that's a story for another time. But, uh, you know, again, I have to give you a huge shout out. We were supposed to do this last night. UNC Duke decided, no, 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 no. We're going to provide some drama. So, of course, had to cover that. So shout out to you for getting up with me early here on a Thursday morning to talk about all the action with that in mind. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go chronologically. We'll start with the 10 a.m. matches, work our way to the 1 p.m., the 4 p.m., then end with Monday's nightcaps before, again, we're going to 
uh, recap those round of 16 matches, then get right into the preview. Today's schedule, 11 a.m. Uh, it's going to be Georgia versus Tennessee, 2 o'clock. Going to be Baylor versus TCU, part four. Then we've got the Tennis Channel nightcaps. USC rematch versus Texas. That's your 5.30 match. As soon as that one's done, the nightcap's going to be Florida versus Texas A&M. It should be an outstanding day of tennis. And with that in mind, let's get into all of the action. And let's start with that morning session in the round of 16. We had drama from the get-go, whether it was, you know, Tennessee, and we can start with that match because, you know, that was a match I happened to be on a broadcast for on the Tennis mm-hmm. One app. It was absolutely delightful uh, from start to finish. And certainly going into the match, you look at Tennessee, you know, number three in the country. I believe they were 26-3 and three overall on their season. They dropped like four doubles points on the year. Uh, and so they were the heavy favorites in their matchup against Arizona. Of course, Arizona was probably the team of the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. They go to Lexington, beat my Wolverines for three after dropping the doubles point. They then take the doubles point and knock off the Kentucky Wildcats. Of course, when you look at this Arizona team, a great blend of freshmen to senior talent. They've got, you know, one of, if not the top freshmen in the country in Gustav Strom. They've got, you know, veterans in Jonas Sieverts and Alejandro Regant, Carlos Hassi, all throughout their lineup. Phil Melbasic as well. This match had the ingredients of what should be a close one. And yet, you know, let's start with that doubles point. It was all Tennessee in doubles bench. It was Walton and Harper, 6-2 decision. Monday, Prada, 6-3. They go up 1-0. After Tennessee took the doubles point, it it felt, you know, I, I personally, I didn't think Arizona had a recipe to four singles matches, the depth, the strength uh, of this Tennessee team in multiple pathways to four <laughs> points. And yet Arizona came out swinging. Uh, they end up getting straight set wins from Zeverts, Regant, Hassey at the two, five and six singles position. Again, I know you're as locked in as anyone. Your thoughts, even before we get into the clinching three set match at one, the depth of this Arizona team, did it surprise you to see them hang tough and fight with Tennessee at all six spots? Um, well, to be honest, I, I've only seen Tennessee, uh, you know, just because this year when I was still at Illinois, everything was in Big Ten, so I didn't get to see any other teams other than the ones we were surrounded by. But watching them at indoors, um, specifically doubles, and then also uh, watching them on Monday against Arizona. I think that they really know what they're doing in doubles. Energy is always good. Um, they know what patterns they want on all three courts, uh, what setup, whether it's I, Aussie, regular, they know, they know exactly what they want. And I don't think, you know, Arizona necessarily played bad. I just think that in the, in the doubles point, um, I just think that, you know, Tennessee was just, way too solid and then moving on to singles well if i may quickly on that doubles point because i I think you made an excellent point there that's the key right decisiveness it does feel like walton harper monday prada even hussey and walner they just knew this tennessee team knows exactly how they want to execute right and i had a coach tell me that like a doubles match is actually like eight returns if you can make eight to ten returns you might win the match because i think the average is like six and a half uh, how important is that decisiveness? And yet, do you think Tennessee has that it factor in doubles? No, for sure. I mean, I think that I think they're a very good doubles team. They they know what, like you said, they're very decisive. They know what they're doing. 
I don't think they do anything out of the ordinary. I mm -hmm. think that they do all the basics, which, I mean, you have to do the basics to the absolute T uh, when you're playing, you know, the one set, you know, fast format. So I, I think that, you know, they have a set of, you know, set of rules that they like to follow, which is, you know, probably putting returns on them. You know, that's what most college coaches will tell you, see what they come up with. Um, and then obviously when they have, the confidence that they have in doubles, you know, they can afford to get a little more fancy with it, whether it's, you know, with formations or, or whatever it may be. So I just think that the, what they, they do, in my opinion, from the, the little doubles I've seen them play, I was just very impressed with how, you know, how basic and simple they keep it because at the end of the day in tennis, you want to keep it as simple and especially on a double score when it's fast format, you know, you know, there's pressures on, I mean, there's no, there's no rhythm in doubles. You go from the warm up, new balls, you know, you've got these big, big serves coming at you and you want to keep it as simple as possible whenever you can. Mm -hmm. No, I, so, I think you put that perfectly. And then again, getting into singles and we'll talk about Tennessee's performance in a second, but this Arizona team can play, uh, you know, one sure. through six, they were absolutely, and we talked about it in the lead up to this event. It felt like they had a lot of pathways to four points and that they're just competitive at each of these spots. And, you know, we call him double H Herman Hoyer, the freshman who was in a boot all season long, but I mean, you could see the talent at that number four singles position, having him push down a spot, getting Regant Hassey at five and six, that they were able to get straight set wins over Hussey and Harper, respectfully. That match at five in particular, Tennessee's been so good there, whether it's Hussey or Weindemann throughout the season. I mean, what did you see? I On the call, it, I, Tennessee just never got momentum at the bottom of their lineup. And it really did feel like, you know, again, I, it was three first sets apiece, but Arizona, this Arizona team, Clancy Shields teams, they're energetic. They came out swinging. So just remind me real quick, was it uh, Giles Hussey at five and then Pat Harper at six? Exactly that, yeah. Okay, yeah, I was uh, watching most of the courts. UNC to, Georgia, to, yep. To, yeah, but also to, to the right, uh, the mm -hmm. top four courts, and I looked down and I, I saw most points. Um, I mean, I, you know, Giles Hussey, I mean, he's been stellar this season. I mean, he's had very few losses at whatever spot he's played. I think he's played four and five. Mm -hmm. um, I think him and Vitamin have been inter interchangeable or, you know, as of lately, Vitamin's been four. Um, but I, I, yeah, what you said, you, you put it perfectly. I mean, the, they didn't really carry the momentum from doubles. Um, and, you know, maybe that's some credit to Arizona. They probably came out firing on all cylinders there at, at five and six. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was really tough for you know for Tennessee to make any sort of comeback there which mm -hmm. I mean it's it's understandable it happens you know those a lot of coaches say that most four three or more most close matches are one at five at five and six mm -hmm. yeah you know and I think that just goes to show you know Tennessee what top five in the country yeah uh goes to show the depth of Arizona's team mm -hmm. and like you said with you know pointing out freshman Gustav Strom, I mean, coming in as a freshman and playing one is never easy, mm -hmm. you know, and I think he's handled that really well. And I also think, you know, Philip Malbasic at three. Um, I think that, you know, that combo there, I think, you know. Can win uh, you a lot of matches. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. hundred yeah, percent. And definitely, you know, Malbasic is a really solid player. And then going on to Gustav Strom, I mean, the guy makes you play horrible at times. And I I always thought Walton was a player with a really high IQ, mm -hmm. uh, tennis IQ. So it's not like, you know, you look at him and you see, oh, he blasts you off the court. I think he's got a good serve. 
Um, but off the ground and stuff, he's just extremely solid. And putting that guy, you know, Walton, who's extremely solid, high tennis IQ against Strom, who, you know, is a grinder yeah. and will make you vomit, you know, being on court, <laughs> being on court for forever and keep you in that backhand cross pattern. But, you know, I just think, I think Arizona has done a great job this entire season. I mean, I was hearing things about them, bits and pieces of what they were doing. And for them to, you know, have carried this all the way to the Sweet 16 and you know, lose 4-3 to a top five team, I think they can call it a very good season. Absolutely. I'm sure they, would, I'm sure they would have wanted that outcome at the three all tap, you know, to go their way. But, you know, Strom played a great match. Walton played a great match. It just, mm-hmm. tennis is a cruel sport. In the end, someone's got to lose. A hundred percent. And again, for this Arizona team, it speaks to the talent assembly. It was their first round of 16 in program history that Regant and Hassey, this isn't the first time they got straight set wins at five and six. They did that same thing to Michigan in the round of 64. And that's a damn hard thing to do. And I have to say 90% of the time, if you're winning straight set matches at five and six, to your point, you're winning the dual match. And, you know, uh, um, so much credit needs to go to junior Jonas Sieverts, who, you know, took it to Johannes Monday. I don't know how else to say it. And I think Monday might've even served for that first set at two. Uh, but then, he, and in fact, I don't think I know. Um, and then he got broken and Zieverts kind of ran with it. And then he got an early break in the second set and he just held. And Zieverts was like 500 coming into the season, uh, coming into this match this season. And for him to get that win, it speaks to the energy and the atmosphere Coach Shields has built at Arizona. They yelled for each other. And I will say, they may have taken a cheer or two from another team. Like I, this is SC, not this is Arizona, but that being (laughs) said, they, you know, they were rocking the Arizona strong. I mean, they fought, they scrapped, they clawed. And that's what a Clancy Shields team is known to do. They just put, as you mentioned, a million balls in play on every court. And this is where we make the pivot down to talking Tennessee, you know, for Martin Prada, to clearly be playing his best tennis now, entering this stretch of the NCAA tournament, that is so critical for Tennessee because respectfully, Prada's probably the weak spot in their lineup. You look at just the numbers for him overall this season. He's, you know, 17 and eight. That's, you know, second worst only 17, and eight, by the way, still pretty damn good when you're winning two thirds of your matches, but for sure. he, uh, Harper or he and Walton, excuse me, you know, they, I don't want to say they've struggled. They've been good. Not great at the one in three singles position, but, uh, of late, Prada has been great. And I mean, yeah. we saw the win uh, over Andrade to clinch the SEC championship. He was all over Mel Bosich in this one. Six love, six three. That was the quick point Tennessee really needed. Uh, Luca Wiedemann's, you like him in any match he plays, even when he drops that second set, the consummate grinders just going to put a million balls in play. You're going to have to rip him off the court to beat him. You know, Double H fought hard and I really like Herman's forehand. I think he's going to be a really good player moving forward these next few seasons. But you take the fifth-year senior, senior in Wiedemann in that third set, and that's what he was able to do. And, you know, to have him and Walton playing simultaneously, that helps because you have two fifth-year seniors on the court together. And, you know, to get to that number one singles match, and then, you know, obviously we'll, we'll wrap this recap up, but Adam Walton looked dead. After that first set, I don't know how else to say it. He was grabbing his stomach. He was laboring all of these different things. And it was so critical that he took that seven, five first set, put that third first set on the board for Tennessee, just from a momentum standpoint, because again, Tennessee lost three straight set matches in singles, really hard to come back in a match that you do that, you know, Strom 
rips through that second set 6-1. And at that point, you're thinking, oh, no. Like, I, it legitimately felt like there was, a, would say, a 10-minute window after, you know, uh, Double H takes the second set at four and Strom takes the second set at one. And they had three points on the board. And you're thinking to yourself, Tennessee is going to need to win both three set matches to advance to the quarterfinals. And, you know, this Tennessee team, despite the fifth-year seniors, they've never been to the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament, this group. And, you know, it, it sucks that this happened. But I do think the pivotal moment, and again, this is a testament to Walton, and I love how you put it, such a high IQ player, just going to make him, you know, again, just going to survive. He's going to do whatever it takes to survive. Strom got overruled. I think it was the break point at one or at like deuce point zero zero in the opening game. Walton takes the early lead one love. It is crazy how important momentum is in college tennis. That was the momentum Walton needed. And he kind of ran with it. And so again, four, three, Tennessee, just your thoughts on these volunteers. And again, Strom, as you mentioned that, ba- I love how you called backhand patterns. That's so true. That forehand still big back swing. It's effective, but that backhand he swings through so easily. Uh, your thoughts ultimately on this Tennessee team four, three, they advanced. They have the goods to win a national championship. Uh, yeah, I think I definitely think they do. Um, I mean, especially with, you know, it's, it's tough when you go and play a regional and then, you know, there's what a week and a half, two weeks in between, almost two weeks in between when you play the, you know, round of 32 versus round of 16. So I think, you know, in my eyes, at least, um, the round of 16 was kind of like the first round. So, you know, always getting, everyone knows in tennis, you get through a first round and then you pick up some momentum, a tough first round, pick up some momentum. And, you know, who knows, you can run with it. But, you know, I just want to touch on a little bit of what you said about, mm-hmm. you know, Monday and, and Walton and, and Strom in that third set with the, with the momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know Johannes Monday that well. I, I've heard of him. You know, he's been kind of the talk of, of college tennis and, and Tennessee for the last, you know, I'd say six or seven months. Just, you know, he's, he's British, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, he's, I mean, tall, tall lefty Brit. I saw him at indoors a little bit, and I, I've heard only good things about him. He's only been stellar this season. So to see, it was Zeverts, right? Yeah. To see Zeverts, you know, take, take it to him like that. And I, you know, if he, he had won a lot of matches Monday this, you know, this past season and stuff. So I definitely think the guy knows how to win. And for Zevers to be able to close not only the first set, but also run with that break in the second set, you know, goes to show that Arizona was on a mission. And, you know, touching on Vitamin a little bit, I mean, that guy, that guy is kind of unreal in third sets, you know, at indoors as well mm-hmm. uh, against, against Texas. Yeah. I think it was against, it was against Chi Chi Huang, you know, mm-hmm. he wins like a seven, five in the third mm-hmm. uh, at five. So, I mean, the guy, the guy really knows what he's doing. He knows his game well, and he's not going to overplay. He's, you know, he's going to play within himself. And I think he did just that in the third set against Double H. Um, and you know, at one that deciding match, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I've seen Gustav's backhand since the juniors, so I know that he knows what to do with that. But also in the second set, I think, you know, very physical first set between the two of them, and in the second set, he was he was able to to use the gusts of winds that were you know picking up throughout the day. And kind of use that to his advantage. And I think that's something that Walton struggled with a little bit in the second set was just coming up with answers for what Strom was doing. And I watched some of those points. I mean, they were lung busters. There were mm-hmm. points where they would take probably more than a minute in between until the next point, which is understandable. 
but you know it was, it was really great to see that walton was able to to regroup and you know taking that first that deuce point in the third uh, in the third set first game i think it, it was massive for him and then from there kind of i guess relaxed him a little bit and he was able to to ride the wave all the way through so yeah to answer your your question in uh, a more condensed form now, I think, you know, I think Tennessee does have what it takes. Now the question is how are they going to perform against UGA? You know, if they can carry this momentum, then for sure, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, I love that. This is why we're having for the record. There was a wrong, oh, there wasn't a wrong answer, but that was the right answer. Uh, so <laughs> I, I very much agree. And again, you know, are we going to spend 15 minutes on every match recap? No, but it's a testament to this Arizona team. They bring out, you know, an early 4-3 match. It really did feel like after that second set for Strom that Arizona was going to advance to yep. the quarterfinals. But what does a national championship winning team do? They respond to adversity. And again, it always helps to have the super seniors, Walton, Wiedemann. They get the job done. 4-3 Tennessee advances. And now this was, you know, they face an SEC opponent in Georgia that perhaps provided the most surprising result of the round of 16 men's or women's as Georgia knocks off. I'm going to say it. My favorites entering the NCAA tournament, despite their lack of health, just when you have Blumberg, Hijikata, and the institutional experience of uh, that UNC had coming into this event. Look, there were really high expectations. And of course it's worth noting. We haven't seen a healthy Tar Heel roster since the national indoors back in February. Just so many different nagging injuries to all of their various players. And even Ben Seguin, who I think played every match for them this season, he's been dealing with so many different injuries as well. And yet, you know, again, they had their full roster. They had their full complement of talent. You expect them coming in to probably take that doubles point. And then if they can take the doubles point from there, just so difficult to find four singles wins against the Tar Heels. But this is where you have to give credit to this Georgia team. You know, uh, Henning and Gravilius, 6-4 win over Hijikata and Seguin, who respectfully just never really regained their rhythm that they had as a doubles pairing last year. And then Kreuter and Rowe. I'm pretty sure there were no breaks of serves in that double set against Kiger and Sondergaard. They end up taking a 7-2 tiebreaker. And I feel like that's a theme we're going to talk a lot about here in this match. George's ability to take tiebreakers, in particular, Billy Rowe's ability uh, to take tiebreakers. Georgia just played a fantastic doubles point, did they not? Yeah, I mean, going into that, I honestly expected UNC to take it. Just because I know, you know, Kiger and Sondergaard, how solid they've been not only this year, but also in past years as well. And I mean, you know, Trent and Tyler, uh, Trent Bright and Tyler Zink at one, uh, an unreal double team, unreal. No, you know, no credit away from them, but I just think that Blumberg and, and Cernas, they just gel so well. When they play their best, they're beating anyone. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with you. And just, you know, I was watching mostly that one doubles match um, and then shifted my focus after to the, to the next two courts. But I just thought, you know, I don't think, I think Tyler and, and Trent are, are great volleyers, great volleyers. I think their low first, low first surf percentage throughout that set on their service games allowed not only Cernach, but Blumberg who has unbelievable feel for the ball. And just the, I mean, we're talking about Walton having a high tennis IQ. This guy's, you know, yeah. best I, college tennis player since he walked on campus in 2017, big, big, big fan of him in his game. Um, you know, I, I think he knows what to do literally every single point. 
I mean, they were on Trent and Tyler's second serves and just absolutely shafting them down with returns to their to their ankles. And you know, like I said, Tyler and Trent, great volleyers, great at net. They know what they're doing. They're you know, they think they were top ten in doubles this mm-hmm. season at one point and also last year consistently. So very very quality team, but Blumberg and Cernok really made them look bad just because of that. And I think once, you know, they got the early break on Tyler serve in the first game. Um, and then I think, I don't know, I think it was Brian that served. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, he had a good game there. It was really tough for them to regain the momentum. And they just always felt like they were playing from behind. And, and then it just felt like, you know, Blum and, Blum and Brian were just suffocating them. Their and, energy was so great in that yeah, match they yeah, came no, out was, and they were just they were the more i mean again will and brian are just they're so aggressive yeah, right and they, that's yeah, what they, they do and it's it's not it's nothing against trent and tyler it had everything i agree to do with that number one position um but man like i i could argue the most impressive performer on all of monday uh you know any player on any team was billy Rowe. like it it just i, I felt like he served in that match better than he might have served all season so that was uh, Billy Rowe and Blake Croyder. And Croyder, too. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I mean, I was looking over uh, ever so often, you know, every few few points from one to two. And honestly, most of the time when I was looking over, I was just seeing Sondergaard and Kiger just all over them, just like poaching <laughs> and stuff. So maybe that was just coincidence. But then, you know, look at the score, and it's, it's a lot closer. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think once, like you said, no breaks, I think Blake and Billy were kind of – I guess powering through them in a way. Um, I, you know, they were doing the basics, putting the ball on them and stuff, and ripping it at them. And once it got to the breaker, I thought, you know, at the beginning for the first four points when it was two all, and then before UGA ran away with it, I thought that it was going to be, uh, you know, Sondergaard and Kiger, just based off of their, you know, how comfortable they are together, the movement that they were having, you know, Kiger crossing all the time, taking taking balls and, and poaching and stuff. And the same thing with, with Sondergaard. And I think they had a, you know, they had a few good points at the beginning and then, you know, Rowe and Corey kind of stepped on it and got a few lucky points here and there, you know, they ripped some, some balls and then, you know, Sondergaard missed the volley that was on top of the net and the, and the tape, you know? So when that happens, you have that little single momentum, especially in a tiebreaker where every point matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that, you know, once they got up four two, um, and I think they were on the side, you know, that was with the wind, if I'm not mistaken. It was just tough for Sondergaard and Kiger. You know, it's not that they played a bad tiebreaker. I just think Billy Rowe and, and, and Blake really really played a, a solid and and and, and good good tiebreaker to, to close it out. Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, with that 1-0 lead, and by the way, shout out to Henning and Gravilius. Didn't mean to just rip through their 6-4 win. It's a really good win over yeah. Jakarta and Sequin. But, you know, then we got into singles. And... What's so interesting about this match, 4-3 in a scoreline, there was only one, you know, three-set battle. And that was, of course, at number four single. Cernok drops that first set against Kreuter. But, you know, it always, you know, Brian's been so good for the heels, about as sure of a point as you're going to find in the nation. And he always knew he was going to come back. He's able to do it. And then to your point, and talking to him uh, subsequently, I think Will's going to win this NCAA tournament. I uh, It depends, you know, again, how does the draw break out? Him, Kova, love, but I, you know, I, I see that as my final. I, I really do. I think those are the guys. And it, again, it just depends how that draw breaks down. But Will was on Trent 
from the beginning. And, you know, it's same with Rinky, by the way. Rinky played an excellent match uh, against Tyler and Brian. And again, those are points. The recipe for UNC is always doubles one, four, and then get one of two and three, right? Because when you have Rinky and Ben in that position, you like that. You like one of them to win, but they didn't get doubles. And again, this is where you have to give this Georgia team credit. I mean, for for them to take four first sets, you know, to get it from, from Henning, from Kreuter, from Rogue, Gravilius, to do it at the three through six position to flex your depth, that's the strength of this Georgia lineup. And again, this is not meant to be disrespectful to Trent and Tyler. If they're not at one and two, uh, you don't get Henning at three. You don't get Kreuter, Rogue, Gravilius down in the back of the lineup. But, you know, again, it felt like the critical moment when – Billy was able to come back from 5-4 down, Peck serving for the set, fights off a couple of set points when, you know, he and Gravilius were both able to take that first set, those two first set tiebreakers. That was when you thought for the first time, oh man, Georgia might win this thing, right? And I'm curious your thoughts on the performances from the Bulldogs at the bottom of the lineup. Because again, Rinky and Will were excellent in this match and they're both lingering in that NCAA tournament. I would want no part of either of them early in the event, but Man, was Georgia good down low. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that Billy Rowe and, and Josh Peck barely finished their set right when Brian and Blake finished too. So just, you know, go over that a little. I think Brian and Blake had probably one of the quickest three setters of all time. I mean, I that was, uh, you know, and I think I think Blake played a good, good first set and then Brian played a great second set. And then the third was, you know, up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um Six four then, in the third, by the way, for Cernak, to your yeah, point. So absolutely. Yeah, no, of course. So uh I think that, you know, Eric at six getting that first at breaker against uh Sondergaard, I if I'm not mistaken, I think he saved the set point mm-hmm. or not at some point on a on a deuce point or something. Mm-hmm. I just remember hearing a lot of yelling at, at one point, whether it was six five or five four. And I, I so I definitely think that, that was a deuce point. Um and then yeah, I think Eric Eric is a is a guy who who surprises you, you know, he doesn't want to hang a lot from the baseline. I think there were points where, you know, Sondergaard kind of forced him to do that, but when he took his chances, when he found his opportunities, the guy was at net and more often than not, he was spiking overheads from on top of the net. So credit to him for doing that and, you know, kind of taking it to Sondergaard. You know, I don't think, I think Sondergaard is also a guy that's, you know, obviously very solid at net from doubles with Tiger and stuff, but I, I just think Eric was better at finding a way to get to net and have the easier balls to put away. And that I guess made Simon really uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, ultimately got in the dub, uh, the first set, but also was able to, you know, it's, it's always tough when you, when you win that first set really tight because it's really easy for you to lose focus, but it's also equally as easy to run away with it just because of the momentum. So definitely think Eric did a great job there. Um, I don't think Simon did a whole lot wrong. I think, you know, Eric just kind of stepped on it and then carried the momentum and was just more courageous at the beginning of the second set and improved. I mean, he got the early break and carried that all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Billy Rowe and Josh Peck, like you said, Josh Peck surfer at 5-4. Uh, I don't think he served that great that game. No credit away from Billy Rowe. I think, you know, Billy hung in there and, you know, put returns on him and, and then, you know, was grinding out the points. You kind of expect that that match just from Josh Josh's side to not have necessarily the longest of rallies, but it was quite the exact opposite. I mean, the balls just got so dead because of that, you know, hour and a half long first set. Um, and it was really tough to hit winners or, you know, finish points quickly. So I think that might've had to do with, you know, why he wasn't able to close that game at five, four, but nonetheless, you know, Billy Rowe fighter 
Um, he, you know, this is, this was what his third four, three of the season, you know, yeah. with Kentucky and then with NC state as well. Um, so I think, I, think- I just want to be clear listeners. Panchilla knew that off the top of his head. This is why we have him on the show today. That's freaking impressive. <laughs> I, I, I say, I see it on, on, you know, Twitter or whatever. It just kind of, <laughs> yeah. it just kind of sticks to me. So yeah, it was <laughs> NC state and Kentucky for Billy Rowe. And then, you know, in the second set, I, you know, it was like I said earlier with, Eric being able to run away with it, it was kind of the exact opposite. You know, it was just, you know, it was labored in the second set. I think both guys knew that it was probably going to come down to them. Um, and I think, you know, Billy got the break early. What was it, two all? Yeah. Or something, yeah, something like that. And, and then just so, held on to that break. And held on to that, but, you know, I think, you know, Peck had chances to break back, I think, at 4-3 when Billy was serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Billy saved those break points. Mm-hmm. Who knows, you know, Peck gets those get the gets those break point back on serve has a good service game, he's down you know Rose down five four he's up a set but down five four complete momentum change you know, so I think that Billy did an unbelievable job of carrying that through. Um, he had you know three five serving Peck had a good service game kind of breezed through that and then Billy to come out and just I think he even lost the first point and then after that you know he was just very solid he didn't get derailed by by, you know, the first point and just stayed the course, played his game. I think came up with some pretty big serves that set up some, set up some, uh, some easier transition balls and stuff. And I mean, yeah, that, that was, that was the match for, for Billy Rowe at five. And I think, I think he did an excellent job of, you know, mm-hmm. taking down a, a player who's kind of riding, been riding a wave of confidence. I mean, what Peck did at ACC's was, was unbelievable, you know, to clinch that match against uh kungu and stuff it was uh it was great and i can't imagine that that was anything but a confidence booster for him mm-hmm. no i mean look uh it's a crushing ending to this north carolina team for this generation of north carolina tennis blumberg sondergaard the connective thread to their 2017 ncaa final and you know again talking to guys around the team georgia just beat them like they're, it's, it's a credit to this Georgia Bulldog team who was peaking at the right time. And they were so good down the home stretch of the SEC season. And then, you know, they kind of got tripped up in that SEC tournament, took an early loss to South Carolina, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Obviously, that loss uh, looks a lot better in retrospect, knowing what we know about South Carolina. But again, Georgia's scrappy. And now we get into our uh, preview of this quarterfinal match. And I apologize if you hear a change in the audio. My microphone decided to be a this morning. It was so tired. It's like, Alex, relax. We're, you know, stop using us so frequently. Uh, but look, again, in the press conference, Trent Bride was very explicit. He said, we want this Tennessee team. He said, when we played them earlier in this season, and it was a 4-2 win for Tennessee, that match, uh, there was no... Uh, Trent, uh, there was no Tyler Zink, excuse me, for the Bulldogs. There was no Blake Kreuter for them either. And yet you look, you know, Tennessee, as they so frequently do, took doubles. They got a win from Monday. They got a win at four singles. That time it was Prada. Now it'll be Wiendemann. They got a win from Wiendemann at five as well. That's a recipe that's very familiar to this Tennessee team. Take doubles, take four, uh, take five, and take two. And, you know, ride the back of your super freshman of Wiendemann, find one more. And, you know, again, we talked about it. This Georgia team is peaking. They, that they were so good down the home stretch of the SEC. The loss to South Carolina is appreciated in value. And you know, you look at the recipe for this Georgia team. It feels like they can find wins at all six singles position. It's been a tough season for Trent Bride, but we know on his best days, he can absolutely beat anyone. 
If I were to describe this Georgia team, I would say they're good, not great anywhere. They're very good everywhere, but they're, I wouldn't say they're exceptional at any one position. Again, on the right day, they can beat anyone. And, you know, looking at the numbers, they're 14 and six, Tennessee's 27 and three. You look at the power six UTRs, uh, Tennessee is going to be the favorite. They're an 80.12 uh, versus Georgia 78.43. I actually think uh, that Tennessee's favored at all six singles positions by UTR. Although worth noting the matchup between Walton and Bride, there's a 0.01 difference between Prada and Henning. There's a 0.02 difference, uh, even Harper Gravilius 0.08. I think the recipe is pretty clear for Tennessee. Doubles, two, four, five, as mentioned. That's their pathway to four points. That's the match calculus. But you know this Georgia team well. You know Zink. You know Bride. All of these guys. Your thoughts on this match, what it's going to take for Georgia to get the win, and then ultimately, again, give me a prediction. Yeah, I think at, uh, you know, I think in past years, last year, uh, anyways, uh, Georgia matched up well against Tennessee. I mean, they didn't have, you know, Tennessee didn't have Monday. So I think at the number three spot, it was Prada and Zinc. And then uh, I don't remember who was playing two for Tennessee last year. But I know, I think Walton was still playing one for them, correct? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, at one is going to be a battle of the wits. Trent Bride, another guy that's got a really high tennis IQ, really good back end. Him and Walton are going to be having back end battles for days. And then it's a matter of who's going to be able to, you know, capitalize on whatever short balls they get and, and figure out a way to, to break those patterns because they're both going to be extremely comfortable from the baseline off both sides, especially the backhand. Um, I think I'll give, you know, the serving edge to Walton just because yeah, I think he has a slightly better serve, but, you know, Trent's rock solid. Um, so I think, you know, I think if they both play well, it's going to be a really tough match. It really, it really is, you know, and, you know, I, I like the way both Trent and Adam play, so it's really tough for me to say, but I, I really don't know what's going to happen at one. You know, I think that's one Georgia's got to have. I, I do. It just you look elsewhere in the lineup. With all due respect, Billy versus Hussey or you know, uh, any uh, anyone, Gravilla, any of these. I just feel like if, especially given I, I would lean heavy Tennessee in doubles, I feel like that's that's a must-have uh, on this. Uh, Trent's got to bring. And he I was, knows that. I was, yeah, for sure. I was. I mean, I was leaning heavy UNC. For doubles and, <laughs> exactly. and look, look what happens. So, I mean, I think, I think Georgia's done a good job of surprising not only us, but also other people. I mean, I, I can't say we're the only ones that were in that boat of thinking that UNC was going to, was going to take the doubles point. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, I know you're saying two, we're saying doubles point two, five and, and six for four or five doubles, two, four, five doubles, two, four, five. I, you know, I think, uh, I think Ty and, uh, and Monday are going to have a, a battle. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I know, I know you're saying that that's probably the way the way to go for Tennessee, but I, you know, I, Ty is tough, man. I mean, he I beat agree. he beat Hattie Habib when Hattie was two in the country, mm-hmm. you know. So I I really think that you know, although Monday's had an incredible year, Tyler's had a good year, not great, good, mm-hmm. but he's you know, even that match with Rinky, I thought Ty played well. I thought that second set could have gone either way, go to the third, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I think that match is going to be tough. And then it's going to be three Prada against Henning. That's going to be a grind. Mm-hmm. If if the, the Prada that you know that's been you know that clinched against Andy and at SECs and the Prada that beat Malbasic uh, Malbasic zero and three shows up, that's going to be a grind. Mm-hmm. I really like Phil. He's a super solid, you know, really solid game and tries to be aggressive when he can. So I think, you know, I think Phil's got a better backhand than Prada just because. Prada always tries to run around it. And, you know, Prada, I think, obviously has a better forehand. 
Uh, so it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, re I really think that's going to be, that's also going to be a very, really important one for either team. Uh, for Wiedemann against Kreuter, that's going to be interesting as well. Kreuter, who just absolutely rips the ball. Wiedemann, who's solid, who's a wall. Um, so it's going to see, it's going to be honestly who blinks first in that match. And then five and six is going to be who? Giles Hussey against Billy. Against Billy, yeah. And Billy, then I mean, versus, yeah. Uh, uh, Pat Harper. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Billy's riding a wave, wave of confidence right now. Yeah. The, guy, the guy's on top of the world. So I'm not going to count, you know, count Billy out and stuff. And obviously Giles has been, been doing well this, this season. So it's, it's honestly, in my opinion, it's a toss up on, on all of them. I, I definitely think that there are some matches that, you know, would like to be one easier uh, by one team or the other, but I don't know if that's going to be the case in six, you know, with Eric and Pat, I mean, Eric's going to be coming to Ned, you know, just, causing a whole lot of trouble there and it's going to be how, how pat handles that you know i think he's he's a crafty player as well so it's going to be interesting matchups all around honestly mm -hmm. no we've had 20 matches in orlando uh the team that wants the doubles point is 19 and 1 it's just so hard to find four singles wins i'm leading tennessee simply because i think they take the doubles and again i didn't hear a pick from you there i'm not gonna let you skate away that easy oh Get uh i mean yeah i think Go out on a limb, do it. Come on. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say Georgia. And this I is, love it. Love this is, this is not, this is not to contradict my earlier point of me saying, you know, if I think Tennessee can, can go win. Four uh, three either way. Yeah, I, for sure. And I think, you know, I just think, big. I'm a big momentum guy, big confidence guy. And I think UGA is riding that wave. You know, beating USC indoor indoor champs. I, I just think they they have it. They have the ability to do it. Will they do it? That's up to them. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Now, it's again, I love the pick. Love it. Um, and if we spend 40 minutes on each of these recaps and previews, we're screwed. Uh, so I do apologize if we don't go into that sort of depth moving forward. And in fact, where we're going to make up some time here, we're going to blitz through this Baylor oldness because I do want to talk about TCU, Ohio State, because that might have yeah. been the most, if, if the, you know, Georgia UNC was the most surprising result, the most notable result was probably what TCU did to Ohio State. But of course, again, I was on the call for this Baylor match, they take the doubles against Ole Miss, and it felt like once they took that doubles, uh, that they were cruising from there. And of course, it was a 6-1 win from Soto and Stokowiak, Broomman Bass, 6-3. They then get first sets from Stokowiak, Furman, and I believe Adrian Boitan. Now, ultimately, you know, Charlie Broom dropped that first set. You like him at five singles as much as anyone. And I got to give credit to the Ole Miss seniors, San Cullen, Reynolds. They scrapped and clawed. Reynolds took it to Matias Soto, uh, one and four at the two singles position. San Cullen just was like, you know what? I can't let Adrian have any time in that second set. Played such aggressive tennis to earn the split. Uh, but look, this Baylor recipe doubles four, five, six. I, I just think what makes them so good is, A, they have so many different pathways to four, right? Like, La earned the split. Boitan was up a break, I think, in the in the third yeah. at one, and it's just like both of those matches they could have taken. And you like Matias on his best days against anyone yeah. in the country, but the depth of this Baylor team is just silly. 
Yeah, I mean, in in my opinion, I think they're they're the the favorites to win it this year. Moving I've, forward, I've, yep. I've, I've told Adi uh, Boyton from the from the beginning that I think they're going to win it, um, <laughs> just because of the depth. I mean, we talked about it the other day, uh, four, five, and six to Koviak. I mean, they their lineup is basically all former number one players. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke. I mean, you know, maybe Furman, if if I don't know if what he played at Duke, whether it was one and two. I know Stakoviak and him were there at the same time, but I mean, no, Nick was one, Spencer two. Okay, yeah. I mean, basically all all number one players. And, you know, I think for a second it got close. I'm not going to lie because uh, Simon Junk being up 3-0 against Charlie Broom in the third, I mean, it could become a little problematic. And then, you know, Finn Reynolds absolutely hitting through Soto, which is very tough to do. He took it to him. Um, but, yeah, I think yeah, I think Baylor, Baylor are definitely the favorite in, in my mind. I think, you know, they're solid all the way through and they, they just know how to win. And Woodson's done an unbelievable job. Uh, congrats to him for the, you know, for the head coaching gig now that that's, that's sick. But uh, I think he really knows what to do, keeps the team in check and just, just all around just fighters and, and really know how to win. Yeah, no, this Baylor team is excellent. Again, 32 and four on the year. You look at the numbers for them and we've talked about it before, but it's silly. They're 29 and three at six singles. They're 32 and two at five singles. They're 22 and five at four singles. And it's like, yeah, but you should see us at the top of the lineup where we're 25 and five, 24 and six and 19 and 10. It's just a joke. Like it's so, so hard. You feel like, yeah, I'm I'm so sick of beating up on him. It's like, you have to beat Sven law at three. If you have any chance to beat the Baylor bears and, you know, good luck doing that, especially with the way he's playing a place. Zven was playing one last year. So, I mean, it's it's like, I I remember seeing him against Kova when Mm -hmm. when when we played Illinois. And it was just, I mean, I I think, I think Sven, Sven is nasty. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. A hundred percent. And again, this Baylor team now, they're going to have the ultimate test because anytime you face the same foe four times in a season, funky things happen and we've already seen this tcu team knock off the baylor bears it was probably the most impressive win i've said it before on this podcast of the season to go to baylor drop the doubles point and then find four singles wins all at the top of the lineup Uh, that's nuts for tcu and look the one thing talking to coach Rodini, talking to all of these guys around Fort Worth, they're finally healthy-ish. Like even in this match, they didn't have Sander Jong, who I will say, I, I'm not going to get into what his injury is because I was asked not to. He's day to day. If he can play, he's absolutely going to attempt to play. And simply put, he just wasn't able to do that in this match against Ohio State. But look, I mean, Gray and Famba can beat anyone. And that they beat Trotter and Boulay 6-4, not the most shocking thing in the world, but to have a healthy Burtis Kruger who's able to step in for Sander Jong, you know, he and Fernley play the number two doubles position. They earn a 6-4 win over what was the number one team in the country last year in Cash and McNally. And then, you know, again, Famba beats an undefeated Kingsley. Jirasek rips through Justin Boulay. And then a credit to Teddy Parallax, 6-4-6-1 over Kyle Selig. Although I thought that was 7-5 in the first set for some reason. I feel like that scoreline... I think it's, yeah, it's, it's possible. Yeah, so for some reason, that scoreline looks wrong. But, I mean, for them, here's the crazy thing. They took five first sets after taking doubles. Like, you expected this Ohio State team to, after getting their backs against the wall, to come out swinging. Just TCU never let them capture any momentum. There was never, a, you know, that big push. It felt like, you know, Selig had his chance, but Parallel kind of put it away. Trotter had his chance to take that tiebreaker, but Fernley kind of put it away. And just whenever there was even the slightest chance for Ohio State to go on a run, TCU said no. And I'm just curious, watching this TCU team, because coming into the year, 
depth was always going to be their strength. Gray and Famba are great at one and two, and Famba plays his best, as we can see. He could beat anyone, but just, you know, Fernley, Jirasek, Paralek, whether it's Kruger or Jong, your thoughts on this TCU team? I thought they were excellent. I mean, a lot of a lot of people kind of asked me what my thoughts were on the TCU and Ohio State match, and a lot of guys, you know, were like, oh, you know, Ohio State got the short end of the stick, uh, you know, being ranked so low because playing only in in uh, in conference play and stuff. And I called TCU from the beginning. I don't know why I felt it. I felt, you know, maybe there was some shrapnel left over from the Big Ten final against Illinois, who have, sure. who they had been so successful over in, in the in the past few years and stuff. So um, I just th- I just think that, you know, TCU's great team. Um, you know, they really showed out at, at two. Famba absolutely served Cannon off the court. I didn't think Cannon really did a whole lot wrong, um, but Famba was just stellar. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, down the lineup, you know, Potterlek beating, you know, Selig, beating Selig anyone is just is just very tough. You know, uh, who played six for them, by the way? It was Kruger in the end who played three. Curtis Kruger, and then what, they split? Yeah, so Kruger took the first, which was, I think, the big thing. It's just, like, let's not let the Buckeyes have momentum. Yeah, and, you know, I think McNally put a great great match at one. Uh, he absolutely just took it to Alistair. Mm-hmm. Um, which he can do from time to time. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, McNally's been playing well uh, recently. You know, the serving well, been finding forehand, so he's he's been playing well. Um, but I just think that – I. You know, the match with Trotter and Finley, that, you know, that first set, the thing was 7-6, mm-hmm. there's momentum there. Like I said earlier in the podcast, if, you know, you get that first set, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of tend to run uh, run away with it if you're focused, especially a tight first set. But, you know, credit to, you know, Ohio State, they put up a, they put up a good fight. Um, TCU was just more solid in the end. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, I just... I can't remember seeing an Ohio State team lose like this. I really can't. And that's a testament to Coach Rodidi and and these uh, TCU Horned Frogs. And, you know, again, to put it bluntly, they're stamped for another shot at Baylor. Like, I don't know how else to say it. They are literally that excited to take on the Bears for the fourth time. And it's worth noting, again, you look at the prior matchups, Baylor goes to uh, Baylor, excuse me, TCU goes to Baylor back in January, drops the doubles point, but gets wins from Famba, Gray, Jung, and then it was actually Paralek in the third set at number five singles, who delivered that 4-1 victory for them. Of course, since that match, Baylor uh, plays in the regular season finale against TCU, I believe in the end in that one, uh, it was, I want to say a four, I want to say 4-2, maybe it was 4-3, I think 4-2 though. I think it was 4 too, yeah. yeah, that Baylor knocked him off. They took the doubles point. They got wins from Charlie, Spencer, uh, Matias Soto. And I actually think they played everything out in that one. So I think it was 5-2 in okay. the end. And then, uh, you know, look, they had an absolute battle at the Big 12 uh, Championship semifinals. It was a 4-3 match. TC was able to take the doubles point on that occasion, get a win from Famba, get a win from Jung. And fun fact, uh, I'm not supposed to say who it comes from, but there he, I mean, anyone could have looked it up, but there's one, you know, Sandra Jong's undefeated against Baylor this year, three, and zero. he's, you know, won all of his matches. I think it's been a couple of different opponents, but you know, they may not have Sandra Jong in this one. And yet still, you know, you look at the matchups here and again, just by the numbers, we already talked through Baylor for TCU. There've been so many injuries. So it's kind of tough to like look at their season statistics and take too much from it. They've been pretty good everywhere. Again, good, not great, but this is a team, I, I'm 
tired of using this word. I apologize, but they're peaking, right? They are actually playing their best tennis here in May. They're finally healthy-ish. San Sander Jong, who, by the way, I think his birthday was a few days ago, so happy birthday, belated birthday to him. But I mean, by the metrics, UTR, uh, there's a 0.11 difference between these two teams' power sixes. Baylor's is 79.88, TCU 79.77. Now, you know, across the board, I think Baylor's like a 0.06 favorite at each of the six flights, but like 0.06, you can throw that out the window pretty much. Now, do we have Sander Jong? I, I do think that's important because certainly we've seen what these, uh, we've seen what he's done, you know, to have that reliable guy against Baylor. So, so important. You have someone to turn to, but when you look at this match bench, I feel like TCU can, I, I, this might be the biggest remaining threat to Baylor simply because uh, how well this TCU team knows the bears that there's no secrets between them. And again, it's a fourth match between the two teams I feel like anything can happen. Your thoughts on what will happen? Yeah, look, I mean, look what happened yesterday uh, with uh, UCLA and Pepperdine Women's Tennis. Hundred percent. Fourth time they're playing. You know, I, I can just tell that you know Pepperdine was hungry. You know, I think UCLA was two and one against them. And it's the same situation here with Baylor. Baylor's two and one against TCU right now. So you know, it's the fourth time they're playing. Like you said, TCU is going to come out hungry. They're going to come out hungry. They're going to you know they're going to go for blood. Um, me, I'm personally still going with the Bears just because I, I really just like their depth and stuff. And, you know, I think, like you said, uh, Sander being whether he's healthy or not is is, is going to be a big, um, a big, you know, momentum booster for, for, for TCU if he's healthy and if he's able to play and if he's able to, you know, come up with the same result as he has in the past against Sven. Um, you know, I love the way Sven plays, so I'm just going to, you know, still go with Sven, you know, maybe – you know, Zen's probably pissed off too. You know, he's lost to him was it twice now? Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure Zen's gonna be locked in for that and uh definitely think that uh you know it's gonna be a good match. I you know, definitely TCU, like you said, big remaining threat solely because of the hunger that they have for this fourth matchup. Um, but you know, I'm still gonna go with Baylor. I think the doubles point is gonna be massive. I think yep. it's you know, whoever gets that is is going to carry some momentum in singles and the guys that don't get that are going to, you know, have to fight and claw their way back. Yeah. No, I, again, doubles points being what they are, I'm going to beat this set to death 19 and one through the first 20 matches in Orlando. It's such an interesting decision for coach Rodini. If Sanders not a hundred percent, do you play him just to give that confidence to the rest of the guys? Like respectfully, as good as Sander is, Fernley, Jirasek, Paralek, Kruger, they're all freaking good as well. The margins between all those players, one through seven, one through eight, if you want to throw Juan Martin in there, I know Kurzban ruled Dan. If I don't mention them, Rodini's going to hit me in the face. Uh, all those guys are good. Paler's freaking, I, yeah, I'm dropping, they're freaking unbelievable. Like, they really are. And again, why are they the favorites? I very much agree with you. It's because their pathway to four can literally be found in any fashion like it could be one two five and six it could be three four doubles and two like they can just do anything and i just think the pressure's on tcu you know again why have we talked about them being hungry because they're chasing and it's very it's a lot easier to be the team that's chasing than it is to be the team that's the front runner that being said there's a reason baylor's the front runner i think this match is gonna be really really tight i think it's gonna be three, maybe even four, three set matches because there are no secrets between these two teams, but give me the Baylor bears 
for Charlie Broom to go down 3-0 in that third set against Ole Miss and then just be like, wait, 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 I'm Charlie freaking Broom. Like, let me, let me win this set, please. Um, I just, I think there's too much strength at the bottom of the lineup. I agree. Give me the Bears, but I do think that could very well be your match of the day. Like, uh, they're all matches of the day. All of these matchups moving forward, the parity between all of these teams at the top of men's college tennis right now, that's what's going to make the home stretch of this season so, so, so much fun. And with that in mind, let's move to the other, uh, you know, our other section, our night matches, I suppose, for the round of 16. Let's go to what is, in my opinion, I, you know, it's a running gag here on our show. I call every rivalry the best rivalry in college tennis, but sincerely, I believe the most significant rivalry to men's college tennis in the past 10, 15 years has been the rivalry between the USC Trojans and the Virginia Cavaliers. And Look, not to pat myself on the back. I did that. Fanchilla just saw me do that on Zoom. I'm literally (laughs) patting myself on the back. But coming into it, you just felt like the doubles point was critical. Because for all of these teams to find four singles wins, so, so, so difficult. And look, when you have uh, Riley and Kuki at one, I think they're 18 and three now, and they were dominant. And then you have Dostanich and Fry at two, uh, who have lost one match all year long. And I had a fascinating conversation we were making a list um and there was, it was a booze infused list but we were making a list of the players who have the most pro ready games or just hit the best pro ball um in college tennis Destanich is on that list and it's just you see the speed that forehand it just works and he's such a good athlete and again for him and fry they take that doubles point it was a tiebreaker i believe seven six they get it uh, over uh, the the Virginia duo of Goat, uh, Get, Goats Gets and Rodesh at the number two position, and then you know Jackson and Sands they were up in early break. Montez and Van der Schulenburg fought back, but then Jackson and Sands were able to get uh, you know maintain that lead. It just felt like the energy for USC that they kind of jumped on Virginia in doubles, and then look when you take a one zero lead. It's really, really hard to come back from that. And it, it almost felt like there were moments where it felt like USC might win this match 4-0. Like, you know, Kuki uh, had some chances to win his match in straight sets. And Dostanich, I think, had a match point in his second set against Rodash. Or if he didn't, he certainly had a chance to close that match out. Wasn't able to do it. But, I mean, this USC team, I, I, I'm sorry to bang this horse they are literally peaking at the right time i have not seen them play as good of a match as they did here they finally just seem healthy they finally seem like they've got their guys and again they get the win cougarman and smith the stonich and fry in doubles then it's riley smith that was the big one two and five over the dock uh west straight three and five over gets and i think gets served for that second set so it's a credit to ludwig there that he's able to come back and then the stonich which the clinch six three five seven six two now look a really really young virginia team and yes they lose carl but they get barbatzer they get a couple others as well alex Kiefer still lingering you know itching to be playing as well again this win it had more in my opinion to do with usc than it did virginia i'm really really scared of this trojans team if i am their opponents i think they've got the goods and look it's the quarterfinals obviously it's a little obvious to say uh, all eight of these teams can win the national championship. But if I'm making my power rankings, Baylor's number one right now, it's crazy to say, I think I have USC too. Like from an eye test perspective, they were that good in my opinion. What did you think? Yeah, I think um, USC definitely had a slower start to the, to the year. So many uh, injuries. You know, we were at I mean, that indoors. It was yeah, no, I mean. Uh, they lost know, three, four threes. They're yeah, like not, two and six and four, three matches. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, 
think I think overall though the season lost five four three matches. Yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think Steph was telling me that the other day. But uh, you know I think you know they haven't had more bullets in the lineup at all really this year. And you know the other guys have stepped up. I think like you said, Steph. I think great player. Uh, I think he you know pro ready game. I have to agree with you. You know he hits his really solid ball. He really clean. Um, I think USC really took it to UVA. I don't think UVA necessarily lost this match. USC took it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ludwig down at was he what did he play four or five? Uh, he five. Yeah, and he's been rock solid all year. So um, that's his thing, right? He's, the band does not miss. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, who who are at five and six for for them? Uh, it was Getz for five, and then credit to Gianni Ross, by the way. That match between him and Jake Sands at six got pesty. I mean, that's yeah. everything you want in the college tennis match. There was chirping. The benches were getting involved as well. There was, you know, mocking yeah. of one person cheers something. So then, of course, the bench is going to cheer the exact same thing of the other team right back at them. It had – this match had the energy. And, again, yeah. when USC faces Virginia, you're always going to have that For energy. Sure. But it just felt like – and credit to the USC women, by the way, who were at this match and made it feel like a home match for SC, although the Virginia faithful were loud as well. And it just – this match is what college tennis is all about. Like they, this atmosphere, it felt so impressive. But again, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologies. The, the, the big one for me, for Riley to beat the doc two and five, it just felt like, you know, and we call him the doc, Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, Dr. Schules, for those who don't know, yeah. but uh, for Riley to beat the doc two and five, that was, that was the one, that was the punch in the face. That was the one Virginia, Again, you, you think you can win any match, and Riley's my guy, so I'm not trying to slight him here, but that was one Virginia, after dropping the doubles, you're probably like, we have to have. And when Riley took that first set 6-2, that was where it was like, oh, my God, SC might beat him 4-0. Yeah. No, I mean, Von Schulenberg has been very solid, very solid all year. Um, a few losses here and there. Um, but you know, other than that, he's been a great player. And in my, in my opinion, if you tell me that matchup before the match is played, I'm taking Jeffrey just yeah. because, you know, he's, I feel like off the baseline is more solid rather he than do a little more. Yeah. You know, Riley, Riley, you know, has to come in into Nanda and, you know, put balls away at net and stuff, which I think he's very good at doing. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I would, I would have said Jeffrey and for, you know, for Riley Smith to, you know, come out and, and take it in two sets was, was massive, massive for USC. Yeah, and again, credit. The match at number one singles was exactly what we thought it'd be, Duty versus Carl. And, you know, hats off to Carl Soderlund. Uh, what an incredible college tennis career guy. It embodies everything you'd want out of a college tennis athlete for him to scrap and take that second set 7-6, particularly when Duty was so close to the finish line. And, you know, their scoreboard struggling everywhere. Carl knows, no, I have to win the set to give my team a momentum boost. He does it. But, man, I mean, again, this match, USC, uh, Virginia didn't lose the match. USC won the match. And, you know, now they take doubles, uh, you know, two five uh, uh two three and five it just feels like they also have a bunch of different pathways to uh four points in a match they you know whether it's doubles whether it's you look at their records they're 20 and five at five singles 21 and five at four 17 and five at one 16 and six at two they've just been good everywhere um and this is a team that feels confident they've got a hubris about them and hopefully that hubris doesn't bite them but they're ready for anyone they are not intimidated by a single opponent and i know how amped they are to get another shot at these texas longhorns who beat them 4-3 at the national indoors and 
you want to talk about dramatic seasons. You want to talk about ridiculous stats. I don't know off the top of my head if any other team has done it. I'm sure it has been done. But this Texas team is 9-1, Banch, in 4-3 matches. 9-1. This is the one team, with all due respect, I love all these other teams. I love you all. They don't get tight. They get excited. They look at that scoreboard. They see 3-1 or 3-0 down, which I believe they were, to South Carolina. And I mentioned that 19-1 number for teams that take the doubles point. Texas is the one. They dropped the doubles point against South Carolina. And it's a credit uh, to South Carolina, the way that they were able to execute in this match against Texas to, you know, get the victories. Uh, I believe you look at the box score here uh, for this matchup overall for South Carolina. They were able to get the win, uh, I believe, both at the number, I want to say it was number two doubles. Um, it was, yeah, number two doubles, Beasley and Samuel, 6-3 win. And then Thompson and Rodriguez, 6-2 over Waldeep and Spaziri. Um, and then I think they got the first two singles matches off the board as well. Jake Beasley beats Chi Chi Huang. Uh, they also got a win from Toby Samuel over CM Waldeep in total. Uh, they take the three first sets they needed. They had doubles, three first sets, and they were actually up a set and a break at number six singles, Thomas Brown over even McDonald. And I believe, uh, Chi, uh, it wasn't Chi Chi Huang. Uh, you know, he was a set and a breakdown, but, um, you know, all of these, again, they, they had, Texas right where they wanted them and yet as always it, you know it's it's uh Cleve Harper delivering the goods Micah Braswell delivering the goods and then the performance from Spaziri and McDonald who have just been there so many times this season with their backs against the walls again South Carolina was right there they could have won this match and the amount of praise I have heard this week for coach Josh Goffey, he may be the up-and-coming coach like if you are a program uh, not that South Carolina is not a top destination but like the big wigs the top five schools top 10 schools I think if any of those jobs come open just keep your eye on Josh Goffey not that he's going to leave South Carolina but that people will want him to leave South Carolina because he's got that swag he really does like he walks around the court it helps that he's a handsome guy he's got the sunglasses it's all working for him the perfect aftershave uh, but he had his South Carolina team firing and again it's a credit they didn't lose this match Texas went out and win it. Uh, win it. Texas went out and won it. Your thoughts on the Longhorns here? Your thoughts on this one? It just they seem to always find a way. Yeah, I think I think that you know South Carolina's a good doubles team, kind of like Tennessee. You know, they they know what to do. They have a lot of guys like to come to net in singles as well, which I guess helps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Evan McDonald. I think it's the second four three that he's clinched. Yep. I think the first might have been against Oklahoma. You're for the uh, record, a seat will always be open for you on this podcast. You're killing it. <laughs> I appreciate that man um and then you know Elliot in the third set it went absolutely he went balls against balls to the wall man I mean the guy was down 3-1 to Daniel Rodriguez um I mean Daniel Rodriguez you're talking about Dostanich who hits a pro ball Daniel Rodriguez rips the ball man he rips the cover off the ball and you know for Elliot to just you know take that match by the horns and no pun intended but uh take the match by the horns and just you know Take it, take it to him. Um, <laughs> I see you laughing. I didn't even think, I didn't even think of that when I said it. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for him to take that match being down three, one in the third set. And then for Evan McDonald, I mean, Evan looked so tired in the end. I mean, you could just tell by, I mean, lack of and celebration. It was so hot. That sun yeah. came out. And it was. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, the way he played that last, uh, that last return game was, was just perfect. So, you know, credit to them. I, Micah Braswell, that guy. So we're talking about, Rodriguez. we're talking about a guy, we're talking about a guy who rips. I don't know Micah at all. 
really like the way he plays. I really yeah. do. Cleve. It's so clean too for Mike. It's, it's clean. Just, everything's easy. It's it's clean. There's a lot of power. You know he, you know there's a lot of guys that in, in important points will back off, be safe. The guy doesn't like being safe. <laughs> um, Cleve Harper. I, I think he's changed his game style a lot from when I was playing juniors with him. He, he comes to the net a lot more. He's very aggressive. He's just and the energy from Cleve is just is just unreal on court. So I think you know I think you know Bruce Burke and and uh, Brandon have done a great job with this team. And my boy Austin Rapp. And your boy, yeah, sorry, the Austin Rap too. Um, but <laughs> they've, uh, you know, they've done a great, they great job. And to be nine and one and in four three matches is, is is truly unbelievable. So, credit to them. Happy for them. And uh, yeah, I think I think they really, you know, South Carolina got a little bit unlucky at the one spot. You know, Elliot coming up with the goods in the third set mm-hmm. um, didn't. And really... Rodriguez was up a break there, I believe three yeah, one was. in that three, th- yeah, in that three. third, and then. Three. You know, it was the opposite on six. McDonald was up huge, and Brown ended up scrapping his way back, I think, from 5-2 down in that set. But this is where the back against the wall for text. I don't know why I did it like a little back against the wall there <laughs> thing for you on Zoom. I'm a very active speaker. But, um, yeah, they just fire. Like, they just fight. That is what this Texas team does. They fight, and that's a testament, you're right, to the coaching staff, to uh, just the, the mentality of this team. And, look, they played another one of their nine four three wins this season was against USC at the national indoors. We were yep. both there for that. SC takes the doubles point and they were like 12 seconds away from winning this match. It felt like because Kuki got the win at one. And I believe, uh, you know, uh, Sands took a six, two first set Ryder Jackson took a seven, five first set Destonage earned the, uh, the split from Braswell. It felt like, and it was an Owen one win from West straight over Chi Chi Huang, who was really bad at the national indoors and has gotten so much better since then. Um, but talking to both of these teams, A, I don't know if there's anyone SC wants more than Texas right now. Just another look to just knock off the bucket. Oh, you beat us. Let us t- get our second shot. But I mean, again, what's so scary about this Texas team, even though only Chi Chi played in that 2019 national championship. And by the way, technically, they're the defending national champions still. Like it's yeah. their title to lose. And yeah. I mean, you look, the you know, power sixes, USC on paper is the favorite. Even I think on the doubles point, it, it, Texas has been good, but just that combo for USC, Kuki and Smith at one, Destanich and Fry at two, they've had four combined losses between the two teams. Like why I would lean USC in this matchup, and let's just straight up get into our preview now. Why I lean USC is because I think they take doubles, and this is the common theme. If you can't find, it's really hard to find four singles wins, and I just think, as good as Texas is at doing that, you can only do that for so long. And like, again, if, if it's three all in this match, I would flip immediately. I'd be like, ah, at that point, you probably lead Texas, regardless of who it is, just because Texas doesn't lose three all matches. But I don't know your thoughts on this one, who, who, which way you're leaning. Yeah, I think you hinted at it really well. I think doubles, I think I'm, I'm going to go with USC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, overall winners, I, I don't know. I have a feeling, I have a feeling, I think it's going to be USC. I just mm-hmm. think just because they, you know, they've picked up some momentum in the last few weeks, you know, winning pack 12s, uh, coming, you know, through a, a tough match against, uh, UVA just now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I just have a feeling, you know, I don't really have a reason why, you know, I can, I can maybe look like a genius after the match later, <laughs> later, today, or I can look like the biggest. <laughs> So we'll we'll see we'll see where I end where I end up, but 
you know, I think, um, I think USC definitely has, has the goods. Uh, if it's three all, then maybe I'm in the same boat as you where I'm thinking Texas, but, uh, yeah, I think USC takes doubles point and, you know, just throughout the whole lineup, I think it's going to be a toss up between everyone. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and this is a little thing, one of those things you notice just being on site. There's a confidence to Daniel Kukerman, uh, just a, a glow. He just seems healthy for the first time. Like he just seems to be clicking and it's just, there's a smile on his face as if, Oh, okay. These matches matter again. Like screw the regular season. I came here for May. And like, I know it's a cliche, but the Trojans do play for May. And to have Riley Smith, who was, I know he wasn't on those teams, but he was watching all of them. That is the connective thread between the Steve Johnson years and this generation. It feels like once Riley and Coulter leave that, that era of USC tennis may finally come to a close, but it's not closed yet. I do think they've got one more run in them here in May. And I, as good as Texas is, and I love you, Bruce Burke, I know you're going to get mad at me for this pick. I agree with you. I'm going to roll with the Trojans. I do think, again, though, that's a really, really fun one. And, you know, for Texas, they've been so good everywhere as well. You mentioned it. One of perhaps the – I said I, – I always say my breakthrough, my most improved player of the year is Seeps, Seepo Mansi, because yeah. his jump is what made Illinois go from good to great this season. But Cleve Harper belongs in that discussion as well. For sure. Cleve Harper has been so, so, so outstanding at four singles. And you know what you're getting from Waldsdeeb, Spazieri, and Braswell. But to make it a top four, not to take anything away from Chichi and Evan, but their top four hangs with everyone. Yep. And I think that's the case today. But I just think, you know, SC doubles, kooky, was straight. I'm going to take Destanich over Waldeep. I just think Destanich is playing better right now. I think that's the recipe. But again, both of these teams, absolute scrap fest, should be a fantastic matchup. And again, three quarterfinal previews, is six round of 16 recaps in the books. We get to our final section of the draw, the nightcaps, the one that's probably going to hurt both of our feelings the most. And I'm going to be honest, I, seeing Zeke after the match, like I almost teared up. And I'm not being facetious here. Like, it's just the emotion on that Illinois team, how much this match meant to them. To see Brad after the match, oh, I'm choking up now just talking about it. But, you know, I was a Florida skeptic. I'm going to be honest, because I've been burned by Florida the past, like, three seasons, just national indoors. When the running joke for us back in 2019 was that, oh, it's just a race to see who draws Florida at the, at the national indoors. Like, oh, it's, it's going to be Florida-Wisconsin at the national indoors. We knew it was going to happen first round because they were hosting whatever. Um, and look, it's not as though on paper Florida is disappointed. They were semifinalists in Orlando in 2019, and they really only lost Oliver Crawford and, I guess, Perez and Kessler. So they lost a few pieces, but they replaced them uh, very, very easily, and depth has never been an issue in Gainesville. And, you know, we said coming into the match, it felt like Illinois had to have that doubles point because it felt like Florida could find four felt like it was going to be a little bit tougher for the Illini to do that. I know this is your team. So, you know, I apologize for putting you in a tough spot here, but you know, for Florida and we can talk about the Bicknell stuff in a second, but because obviously that blew up on Twitter and not the first time that happens. We can, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, but I mean, you look for these Gators for them. 
to beat this Illinois team 4-0 and to do it as comprehensively. And by the way, this was the nightcap. Electric, like electric in the crowd. And everyone stayed. Shout out to the Gators for bringing them out. Shout out to Illini Nation. Seriously, they travel as well, if not better than any team in the country. And that's a testament to, you know, Brad, Marcos, what they've built there in Champaign. But, you know, when Duarte won that first set against Coba, and Sam ends up scrapping that first set against Seeps. And oh, there's an atrocious overrule at 6-5. We don't have to talk about that right now. Um, I mean, Andrade at three, uh, Goodger at six. For Goodger to do that to Cliff and then, you know, Bicknell at four. This Florida team, I'm starting to believe again. Like, I, I needed to see it in person. I didn't get the chance to see them at the indoors. I watched the SEC championship match, and, you know, that match where Florida comes so close, but Tennessee's able to get over the hump. I've seen that match from Florida a bunch of times over the past three, four seasons. This was the first time I looked at this Florida team. It's funny because they're the number one overall team in the country. They're 23-2. and two. Like, they've lost literally two matches to two teams still alive in this tournament in Texas and Tennessee. It's a testament to their strength. But this was the first time for me personally that I thought, oh, man, like, this team might actually be the best team in the country. This team might be able to win the national championship. Curious your thoughts on their performance. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that it was going to be a tough match against uh, Illinois for sure. I mean – and and my you know I was running through with some of my buddies before and we were talking about the matchups and stuff and definitely doubles was going to be huge. Uh, Illinois did. And by the way, new doubles teams for Florida entering the NCAA tournament, yeah. which is why you leaned Illinois in doubles because you just didn't know about Florida. They also had lost Florida had lost four of the last five doubles points for coming into this match. So um, top they, of the head, uh, folks. Top yeah. of the head. <laughs> um, and so. You know, the doubles point, I think, really came down to um, to two doubles. You know, Noe, Noe and Seeps against um, Shelton and who did they play? Gujar? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, Shelton and Riffis. Shelton, Shelton and Riffis, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, Duarte. Duarte at one with – remind me again with who? Englandson. Uh, okay, yeah, so – with Joe, so Duarte and Joe against Zeke and AB, you know, I think that uh, they had an early break there, so they kind of just carried that. Mm-hmm. Um, two doubles. Noe and Seeps, I think at 3-4, they were up 40-15 in that game. Uh, Noe serve, and then it got to a deuce point, and, you know, just they got a little unlucky, Illinois, and, and you know, Riffis uh, and Shelton were able to run away with that. But, you know, Kova and Hunter at three really took it to, to Will and um, – Will and Brian, you know, I think, I don't think Will and Brian did a whole lot wrong. I think Hunter and Kova really just played well, you know, Kova, you know, Kova is when When you have him at three, it's a joke. Yeah. Not only that, but you know, when he's, when he's bringing the energy, when he's getting pumped up, it's scary. Most of the time he walks on and people that don't know him walks on court. Guy looks like doesn't know how to play tennis. (laughs) You hit hit two shots with him and you're like, holy shit, I'm going to get railed. Yeah. So, I had so, a pro once tell me that the way he hits his cross court forehand, they were like, that's why he's, they're like, it's a joke. They're like, the way he's able to do that, it's just silly. Yeah. No, it's for sure. He's a, he's a very talented, great player, great feel. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the harder balls I've ever seen. And I practiced him a lot. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, th- I think that was huge uh, for them getting that at three. Uh, unfortunately, while that was happening, you know, Noah and Seeps just had just gotten broken to go down five three. 
Um, and then going into singles, you know, Dorte came out firing on all cylinders. I mean, it really took Kova by surprise. I think we both saw that. Um, Duarte's first surf percentage was very he high. He served so well in that Sur- match. Served so well. Can't say Kova returned super well, but that mm-hmm. was probably because of how how well Duarte was serving and the pressure he was putting on him. Uh, Seeps and Riffis. I mean, dude, I, my call my call was Seeps before the match because I think I think they're the same, mm-hmm. essentially the same player. Very crafty. Um, I think you know Riffis obviously taller than him. Probably has a better serve. But Seeps has got power, man. I mean, he's a pocket rocket. You know, Seeps is, is 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 a shorter and stuff, but the guy can rip the ball. The guy will not miss. The guy will mix it up. So I think he got a little unlucky in that first set. Riff is just scrapping out some, you know, some defensive point down down those those um, set points and stuff. But you know, credit to Riffis. I mean, the guy the guy really hung in there. Really came up with some unbelievable shots from some very weird positions on the court. Um, so it goes to show how good and crafty he is. Three. And it's funny because you see Riffis and you think, is he a little stiff? And then like he'll hit this out, outer third forehand like low ball that's dipped at your feet that you can't do anything with, and you're just like, oh yeah, that's why he's Sam. Exactly. Riffis. Exactly. Exactly. You look at him; he's got you know very simple strokes. You look, you know, looks like he hits kind of flat and stuff. But then all of a sudden he's mixing it up with some forehand slices coming in, some backhand slices, some drop shots, some you know serves and serving volley. So I think he's a very complete player. And then at three. Um, I thought it was going to be a tough match for Illinois just based off of, you know, the matchup. matchup. Yeah, matchup. I think had AB served a little bit better, uh, it would have been a better match. I don't know exactly what would have happened. I just, and Andy's just extremely, extremely solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, Zeke and Blaze, I, I mean, I was. Right, let's do it. Let's have the conversation. Let's do right. it. Right. There, there's a call floating around. It's not a great one. It's um, not. Yeah, where ball so, looked into, and that was what first set, right? It was like three two or something. Was, or? I think it was a three two or three all thirty all. Yeah, and uh, and uh, dude, listen, I I know Blaze. I played juniors with him. Yeah, I played him in a college tournament last fall. You know, granted it was on clay, but still, guy was stellar. I mean, the guy the guy corrected himself. You know, I really think this is kind of a fluke. I I really do. I don't think I don't I really don't think Blaze is a bad person. I don't think he, he means it. People are going to counter that with, yeah, look what he did at SECs. In all honesty, dude. You got two on camera. Like, that's the only reason he's getting beaten is because you saw his two. Like, they were yeah, thrown I, in front of your face. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, I think I think the guy's getting a little a, way too much heat. I mean. 100%. I mean, the guy's undefeated, you know. Like, I, <laughs> exactly. I don't think that has anything to do with it really. Had it had, it, had anything to do with Okay. Maybe that SEC match that has a little bit to do with it, just because of the score situation. But again, I don't think Blaze is a is a bad guy at all. I think, you know, it just happened. I don't know what was going through his mind when he made that call. Maybe he thought it was going to dip out just because of the way Zeke hit the back end and it didn't. He went with it and saw the ref didn't say anything. If you if you put you know ninety percent of college tennis players on this and they'll tell you the same thing. I mean, they, we've all made bad calls, you know. Some just happened to get unlucky and put it on camera. I think he's getting blown up on Twitter, and I just, I just feel for the guy. I mean, I just think some of the takes are so egregious. And like, do I want to call out certain people? I'm just like debating if I really want I mean, to get into. I mean, this I'll call out Renee Stubbs. I mean, she was, she was like, I thought what she, what she tweeted was a hundred percent. It's just like horrible. you're being a keyboard warrior. Like you're using, you're just trying to tweet and be aggressive, and it's I mean, just no like, one, yeah, with all no due respect, one. if you're not invested in the sport, like sit this one out. 
Like, I'm yeah. sorry, if you don't have the context of how, like, if you're just doing this click because you think you can pile on and get the likes and everyone's like, yeah, hooking sucks. Like, yeah, everyone, cheaters, cheaters cheat. Let's, let's kill them. Let's, let's hang them and publicly yeah. execute them at, yeah. at the stake. It's like, look, I, I, you nailed it. I, 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 I'm, again, this is why I open invite whenever you want to come <laughs> back. But it's just like, it's, I get it. It's, it's unacceptable. And if you have additional line judges that can roam, like get them on the court. The second a match is done, a chair umpire should not be done. They should move to the next court because if we have that opportunity, let's use it. That, that mistake is as much on the chair umpire. You can't no, miss for that. Sure. You I can't. Mean, yeah, you can't miss that. And also, I mean, listen, there's a lot of college players. I mean, especially when the stakes are so high. I'll hate to I'll hate to admit it and stuff and you know but it's just, it's just what it what it is I mean if if you're at that score it's three all thirty all first set to set up a break point and you make that call thinking the ball is going to land out and you don't get overruled how many guys are going to correct themselves not many guys you know I mean Blaze with me and and our match when we played guy was unreal you know very fair correct like I said corrected himself um, never questioned the call and stuff so I really don't think he's doing it out of the you know. For, mm-hmm. with malicious intent or anything i think it, exactly. just, it just happened he rolled with it whatever didn't think he was gonna get the backlash i i like I, I completely agree with you with with what you said about you know the keyboard warriors and stuff i mean listen the guy is 30 and 0 undefeated yeah. you know the guy there should be some more you know hype around that rather than the one bad call he made because it could have been you know an important point set up break point or game point for zeke that can be argued okay I can guarantee you that 90, 95. One point isn't a match. If you're that good, you're going to get it back. Like one call can't do that. And so in all honesty, I don't think Zeke really questioned it that much in the moment. I think it was more the coaches that Mm -hmm. that were there and saw it. But again, I think it's a lot lot of backlash. I think it's just a lot coming from SECs and, and what had happened there and stuff. But again, I don't think he did. He's doing it because he's a bad person. I, I really refuse to believe that. He's a good player. I mean, he, regardless, I think he he really took it to Zeke that match. I th- I don't think Zeke necessarily played his best. Um, and I think that is what could have turned it around for for the for the Illini just, you know, winning that match or winning a set, at least in the second set. Zeke coming down from 6-3-2-0 and then serving at 2-all, didn't play a great service game. Blaze was just able to find more forehands than Zeke would have liked him to. Um, that's just the reality. And, you know, I, I think if Blaze's forehand – got a lot of funky stuff going on but it works man it works he finds it you know he times it well and he rips it and he rips it to where you're not on the court and it's tough for you to get it when it's bouncing and you know bouncing away from you and getting high up on you so i i mean i all credit all credit to to, to blaze and stuff but you know I, I really think had zeke played a little bit better um and that's why i guess why he was so sad I spoke to him a little bit after the match and he i mean he knows how he had chances and just didn't didn't capitalize. And I really think that, you know, plays a little bit better. I think he's handing Blaze his, his first loss ever in college tennis. I, that's what I was thinking. I just thought that, you know, the patterns that Zeke likes to play would have matched up well. I clearly was wrong. Blaze played really well and, you know, not great level yeah. from Zeke. He knows that, but I'm sure he'll bounce back for uh, individuals next week. Mm-hmm. Five, Hunter and Ben. I mean, I had never really seen Ben play – in real life, I'd only seen him like on, on, on camera a little bit. Um, very impressed with him. I mean, Hunter, I think the, the guy kind of like Kova too. Looks like he's sleeping on court, and then all of a sudden, the guy's open stance sliding to back end passing you. You know, so I think I think Ben had just gotten the break in the third to go up three two. Um, I would not count Hunter out of that. I think Hunter's return game is sick. 
but Ben, wow, talk about power. I mean, the guy's got one of the harder second serves I've ever seen. Um, it's got massive forehand, very solid back and knows, reads the game, reads the court, knows when to come in. And, uh, you know, at six, Guja just handing it to no way. I, I thought that, I thought that was going to be honestly a 50, 50 match. Just yeah, you no know, has been so good. And Noah's lost, yeah. Yeah. I, at the same time, lefty plays big that's, to a one-handed backhand. I'm like, how did I not see that? That, that was, that was, no, I, I mean, that's, that was the, the thing that was kind of holding me back from saying, yeah, no way going to get this and stuff. No lost one match this year since then got his revenge. It was against Sebastian Vile from Minnesota, lost him first time, the second time beat him, whatever. But now going into the rest of the season, hasn't lost a match, came up big for them at Big Tens. You know, I thought it was going to be tough just because of Gujar, uh and, and how big. But then again, Gujar is like, I want to say, you know, maybe his forehand isn't the smoothest thing, but he's a smooth player. The guy flows, comes into the net. I thought that Noe would have some looks just because I don't think Gujar hits the hardest ball. Mm-hmm. So Noe may have chances to run around. But, I mean, Gujar just played the match perfectly, you know. Came into net, took his chances knew where to serve, knew where to attack, exposed Noe. And I, I don't think Noe really had many answers. And it's not just, it's not because he, you know, he didn't play well. I just think, again, there's been a lot of, you know, teams and guys playing well and handing it to other others. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Again, Florida won this match. They played about as well as you can expect to be playing. Just to finish the thought, someone, again, I, I generally like her takes, but like Caitlin Thompson of Racket was like, Revoke his scholarship. Get him off the court. He should be oh, under yeah. review. Like I saw that. Like, I'm sure. sorry, but that's ridiculous. Like you are just saying things to try and get a response, and like that is not productive. You're not helping anyone when you do shit like that, and that's the stuff that pisses me off more than anything else. Because obviously, you know this. I've, listeners know this. I advocate for college tennis more. That it's in my bones. Like it will forever be in my bones. And like I understand we have line calling problems, but with all due respect, off. Like, yeah. that's horrible. You're telling a 22-year-old kid who made a mistake, who got eager, who had scholarship on the line, pressures on the line. He, like, the, the incentive structure of college tennis is screwed up enough as it is that, of course, as you mentioned, it's three-all. Like, he's going to make that call, and it's on the umpire. The impetus is 100%. And someone recommended, you know, this is why we need more investments in umpires and that sort of technology. That I absolutely agree with. There's ways to find technology to get out of the solution. But again, to your point, Blaze McNell is undefeated. And I promise you, like, it's not just because he's calling everything out. The guy is that good. You know, Goodger was outstanding. Duarte was really good. Andy was good enough that they took doubles was tough. And, you know, that's enough for them to get the match. And, you know, for Kova, I thought it was great for him to scrap back at one. Seeps was not going anywhere at two. You know, if the Illini could have just scrapped out, you know, Hunter Hack played about as well the match as I've seen him play, as good as I've seen him play all season. But three straight set victories. Again, this Florida team flexed their muscles. And now they're going to take on Texas A&M, who looked really, really good through the first hour of their match against Mississippi State. I think they won doubles in all six first sets. And just, you know, that's such a big deficit. And, you know, credit to Mississippi State, who did earn a couple of uh, second sets. I think Gio got his at one. And I think there were a couple of other spots as well, where it was Gio earned the third. Uh, I think it was uh, Malsevich uh, earned the third at three. And then uh, there's a third set coming at five. But look, this Texas A&M team, and I, resp- I apologize, we're kind of blitzing through the Mississippi State here just to get straight to the preview for A&M. They've played each other twice. And I, I just don't think there's, you know, they just 
straight, I don't know how to say they beat Mississippi State. Like, that's just what it was. They beat them. They beat them comfortably. And now, you know, you look for AM. They've played this Florida team twice. You know the cast of characters when it comes to AM. It's Habib, it's Bashiro, it's uh, all the, it's uh, Aguilar, you know, Shakter at four. And, you know, it does seem like Marcon Perot have really stepped up here towards the home stretch of the season, found their rhythm. And, you know, again, we, we mentioned at the top. Really hard to beat a team once, even more difficult to beat them twice. Damn near impossible to beat a team three times consecutively in the same season. Your thoughts on this match, what it's going to take for the Aggies. You know, obviously, if you have any thoughts on that Mississippi State match, feel free to throw them in here. But what it's going to take for them to knock off top seeded Florida. I'm, the only the only thought I have about the Mississippi State match is, uh, I mean, you and I were watching the Illinois match and we are yeah. kind of glancing back and forth. But, um, I mean, the – the only the only impression I have from that is Vashro, man. The guy's clean as shit, dude. Oh, that forehand is so the, sexy. I mean, I mean, yeah, the guy, the guy. I've, I think I saw him for the first time play like three or four years ago, um, when I was still like I think I was playing the Tulsa Juniors, <laughs> and he was playing the costume. And I think that guy's nasty, nasty. Mm-hmm. Hattie, obviously had a great season. The rest of them, I don't really know. I know Aguilar a little, a, a little bit of about his game style, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's gonna be tough to beat to beat the, the team three times um, and, and also to be beaten by a team three times. Um, so I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting match, Florida and them. Um, I think that, you know, lineup wise, who Duarte won against, what is that top five matchup? Yeah. It's two of the Duarte, ten, Duarte, surely yeah. two of the 10 best players yeah. in the country. Yeah. And then, and then Hattie is still, I think is still top 10 uh mm-hmm. unless you know the computerized ranking messed that up and somehow threw him out to 115 but um <laughs> but uh you know uh i think it's gonna be a very interesting match texas a m you know just carrying some momentum just took it to mississippi state like like you said there i didn't think mississippi state was in it at by any means even though there's some sets that were lost from AM side and i have sets won by mississippi state um i'm I'm gonna go to cost. I'm still gonna stick with. I'm gonna stick with Florida though. Just, just, just cause. Yeah. No. I mean, there's one upset every time, and I think by see that upset, we both think it's gonna be USC today. We. I, I mean, I guess you picked Georgia as well. So shout out to you for going yeah. with two. But I just watching this Florida team again. Bicknell's undefeated. I think Goodyear's undefeated as well at the six singles position. Yeah. And this like, year, I don't think he's lost a single match. So. Yeah. And like Shaq, I love Noah Schachter. Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Schachter are two of my favorite outside of maybe Mr. Banchilla, um, my <laughs> favorite parents in all of college tennis. They're just two lovely human beings have been so supportive of us here at Crack Rackets. And again, I'm, this is not meant to be a slight to Noah who's excellent, but so is Blaze. And like, yeah, that's the rest for Florida. You have 200, your match calculus is so clear. And you know, the second you start taking matches for granted, that's when you get in trouble, but like four, six, which have been not four as much, but five and six in particular have been weaker spots for this A&M team. And then yeah, top three is just a slug fest. And like, you know, again, A&M, if they take the doubles point, they're in the match. Absolutely in the match. I do think Florida is more likely to win four singles matches than AM is. And because of that slightly broader path, I would lead with you. I think Florida 4-2-ish sounds about right in this one. But, I mean, look, it was a 4-3 match, I think, at the SEC tournament like three weeks ago. And so, you know, on their best days, Bashar and Habib are winning. It doesn't matter who they're playing. If they play their best, they're winning. That's how good. I, the amount of love Hattie Habib has gotten. Everyone loves Hattie's game. I mean, what is it about Hattie that makes him so good? Uh, I think it's his forehand, honestly. Yeah. Everyone that I've always talked to is is just uh, 
I, I, I think I practiced him when I was like 15 in Florida or something. <laughs> no, I remember that because it was in Bradenton and we we're at the same academy for, you know, for the big portion of the summer. And I think it was when he was like, you know, so playing ITFs, whatever. I mean, the guy's forehand was a joke, like the heaviest thing I had seen at the time. Um, you know, the, it would just jump off, whatever he, he finds it, he hits it clean, you know, he's set up all the time. And I think he uses his serve as well. Not to say that his backhand isn't great, but I just think his forehand just really just kind of makes his game what it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's again, this Texas A&M team can play, uh, and it should be a fantastic nightcap. If it's anything like last night, we'll be there till 2 a.m. again. And then I'll have to call you again in the morning and be like, hey, you got another 7 a.m. slot for me? Uh, <laughs> because uh, obviously, again, really, really exciting time here in championship tennis. And by the way, I promised you what I said. We won't take a little more than an hour. Like, it'll be 30 <laughs> minutes to an hour, and we're an hour and a half in. And I think we've covered anything, everything. But again, any final thoughts on the round of 16 quarterfinals? Anything we've missed? uh no i mean i just i'm excited to see what are how our predictions are going to turn out uh what's going to happen uh also excited to see what's going to happen at the singles tournament next next week i know i i know we both like blumberg a lot but i also like kova a lot you know so, so then, can we schedule this in now can we do an individual preview can we lock 100%, that bad boy in 100 100 because again 100%. I, I just gotta, i gotta do i gotta start rocking and rolling here this morning and i know once if we open that pandora's box we're here for another 30 minutes 100 percent. we will lock that in and again we didn't get the chance to talk about you your career as much as i would have liked good, to so we're putting that on the queue again i we're getting a return appearance from you uh cannot appreciate enough you putting up with my nonsense all year long making me a more well-informed more intelligent podcaster journalist covering this sport of college tennis and i know our college tennis fans will sincerely appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today now i'm hoping you remember what i told you at the start what i'm going to need from you so i do want to say before we go obviously again we will be back here it was an incredible ncaa women's round of 16 day uh excuse me quarterfinal day on wednesday still have to recap all of that action preview the women's semifinals of course we'll start previewing the men's semifinals as well we've got fantastic home stretch here to the 2021 college tennis season. And of course, we hope all of you will stick with us through the end. Again, a shout out as always to all of you who have come. I I have to say, it's the most flattering thing in the world. I think I told you this. Someone asked me for a photo vanchilla the other day i was like <laughs> i was like really i was like are you sure they're like no, no no please 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 and i was like just to have all these parents these these players these coaches whatever come up and embrace what we're doing here at crack rackets means the world to us so sincerely if you are at this ncaa event uh i always have my white hat on because i'm never going to show my hair to anyone uh so you know come up say hello i i am one parent last night because i was talking to them they go wait you're Alex, right? And I was like, yeah, because I was like, oh, you know, I'm not rooting for anyone tonight, but blah, 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 blah. And they go, you know, when you said that, I recognized your voice. They're like, you are Alex Gruskin of Crack Rackets. I was like, I certainly hope so. That's what I'm <laughs> telling people. Uh, but sincerely, I can't be me without the support we get from all of you and from you in particular, Banch. I appreciate that. Of course, the other reason we're able to do this all day in, day out, uh, because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Shout out, as always, to Super Producers Fleetner and Westoff for the editing job they do day in, day out. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host today, Alex Banchilla, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Banch, what do we tell the people? That's the break. I love it, and we will see you all next time. Thank you, as always, my friend. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course.